0: Doing this morning, family. Can we just stand to our feet as we go to God in prayer and hallelujah? Family, before I pray, I just want to read a scripture. It's 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, out of the Amplified Version, and it says this: For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or cowardice or fear. But he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of, a, and of sound judgment and personal discipline. Meaning, abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. Now, let me bow your heads. Father, in the name of Jesus. As people of faith, we are not ruled by fear. I need to say that. Father, in the name of Jesus, as people of faith, we are not ruled by fear. I don't know what you're experiencing with rumors and viruses things might be going on in your own life though you may experience fear maybe through your emotions or your thoughts or even through other people God says today you are not ruled by fear So in the name of Jesus, you gotta take authority. Father, in the name of Jesus, we take authority over when fear tries to rule and govern our actions, our thoughts, how we deal with people, God. But Father, you said very clearly that you have not given us that spirit of fear. But Father, we thank you that where your spirit is, there is order, where chaos is happening around us, God where situations and circumstances, God, try to dictate that we kind of do things our own way. God, I thank you that you give that gentle nudge, Lord God, and you say, you know what? Let me do it my way. (laughs) And so, God, totally right now, we submit submit to you. We give you everything now, Father. And, Father, I pray that that stronghold of fear, will be broken in the name of Jesus. That we're going to walk in our spheres of influence very confidently today. We're going to walk when haters are around. We're going to walk in our calling confidently, Lord God. When we see people scared and maybe even uh, wearing masks at times, Lord God. God, we're going to walk confidently, Lord God. And God, I even ask and pray over every single one of us that when we see others in fear, that you would give us the words to say, the actions to take, uh, the attitude to exhibit, not to be fearful. And in those conversations, God, I ask that you would give us the words to speak your gospel. That fear doesn't have to rule you but I can introduce you to the one who conquers fear (laughs) and gives confidence for daily living. So Jesus, we love you. And we thank you for this time in your word. God, we need change. And it's your word that brings about the change that we're in desperate need of, God. And so Father, I pray very specifically that you will be glorified, that it's all about you and you alone right now. And and next, God, that your people will be edified. Father, speak to us. Teach us. Holy Spirit, illuminate our minds in the name of Jesus right now. We're open to the instruction of your word. In Jesus' name. And if you're in agreement, you need to shout amen to that right now. Come on, I need you to give God some praise right now. Can you just right now lift your hands up to him and give him some worship? Father, we love you. We adore you. There's no one like you. No one who can compare. No one who can measure up. There's you and you alone, God. Jesus, you are the Lord. Jesus, and, and it's period. Jesus, is you and you alone. And you may be seated, oh God. Thank you, Jesus. Family, it is my honor and privilege to be in front of you today. And I have to be very, just being very transparent with you, uh, the subject matter in which I'm about to talk about brings some fear and trepidation to my heart (laughs) because if you look at our calendar for this month, um, there's a question that is asked of all of us in CCC and the question is this, what are your financial goals? Now I don't know about you, when you hear the word money, it can stir up a lot of emotions. Turn to your neighbor, say, neighbor. "Neighbor." Look at him dead enough and say, neighbor. "Neighbor." What are some emotions you feel when you hear the word money? Come on, share really quickly. When you hear the word money, what comes to your mind? What comes to your emotions? Some of you may be happy, some of you may be in despair right now. But if I can, give you two gut punches, spirit-filled gut punches, uh, before we get into a very specific scripture. A budget, somebody say a budget. A budget. A budget is telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. <laughs> gut punch number one. A budget is telling your money where to Instead of wondering where it yes. got punch number two. Your checkbook, your banking statements, and your financial online summary is a kind of theological document that reveals the true location of your heart. Let me say that one more time. Your checkbook, banking statements, financial online summaries is a kind of theological document that reveals the true location of your heart. So, if you were to look at wherever you spend, that's where your heart is content. Mm. Mm. Come on. I'm giving some hardcore looks right now. <laughs> I feel like daggers coming at me, but. What's the first gut punch? A budget budget is what? Telling Telling your money where? Where to go instead of wondering where it And your checkbook is a kind of theological document that reveals the true location of your heart. Mm -hmm. Family, I'm going to ask you to go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. And we're going to read verse 6 through 10. I'm going to read it out loud. So 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 10 says this. This is the ESV. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take, and we cannot take anything out of this world. But if we have food and clothing with all with these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pants once again turn to your neighbor say neighbor, neighbor. look at him say neighbor. neighbor I got two questions for you question number one and I want you to write these questions down as you say to see a neighbor and these are directly from pastor Jamal and he's going to get at them when he comes back question number one is this why does money matter Write that down. Why does money matter? And question number two, what does, what does money mean to you personally? What, why does money matter? And what does money mean to you personally? You guys got those two questions? Yes. So when we look at the book of 1 Timothy, throughout this letter, please hear me, throughout this letter, Paul kept Timothy's eyes focused on the ultimate prize of a shepherd. And the ultimate prize of any shepherd is to have and to raise and to teach a godly congregation. Everybody say godly. godly. Family, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, it says this. Bodily discipline is only of little profit. But godliness, somebody say Godliness. But godliness is profitable for all things, since it holds promises for the present life and also for the life to come. So Paul labored and strived for this, for this in every church that Paul established and strengthened. And in this letter, he gives this mantle of leadership to Timothy and he said, produce a godly congregation. So when you look at verse 6 in 1 Timothy chapter 6 verses 6 to 10, it starts off with the word if I say godliness. godliness. So what I desire, so what my, my job is today is to do is to set a biblical foundation when it comes to our attitude and our heart's disposition concerning finances. Amen. Our attitude and our heart's disposition toward finances. And one of these attitudes and one of the words that you need to have as a foundation is the word godliness. I'm going to give you two definitions of the word godliness. Now, I have to apologize. I wasn't able to work on my keynote like I normally do because I was up all night working on this. (laughs) Because God was just, and I was laboring. I was like, Father, I need your help. I need your word to speak directly to us concerning this area of finances. Because if I'm honest with you, I, there are moments where I struggle. My daughter, my oldest, is just finishing her last year of grad school. And that, 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 that dried us up. <laughs> my next daughter is, is graduating this year, going into college. And I'm kind of looking at my financial state, and I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> But God is faithful, and he gives us principles to understand. And so godliness, here are two definitions for the word godliness. Godliness, number one, by definition, is this. A lifestyle, and I'll speak slowly, a lifestyle that consistently pursues, a lifestyle that consistently pursues and reflects the character of God godliness a lifestyle that consistently pursues and reflects the character of God speak back to me what's the first definition godliness is number 1 a yes. that does what consistently and yes. the character of God definition number 2 when it comes to godliness Godliness is a personal attitude, is a personal attitude toward God that results in, let me say that again. Number two is a personal attitude toward God that results in actions that are pleasing to him. Let me say that again. Godliness, number one, by definition, is a lifestyle that, that consistently pursues and reflects the character of God. Number two, godliness is a personal what? Attitude, Attitude toward who? Toward God that results in what? Attitude. Actions. Everybody say actions, actions. That are pleasing to who? To In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, it says this physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Right. Promising benefits in this life and the life to come. So just by question, so how do we train in godliness? Family, if you go up to the, the verses before the verse, the, the scripture section that we're in, if you look at verse 3. It talks about, look look at me, it talks about sound doctrine, sound teaching. So you want to be trained, you want to grow in godliness, you want to be trained in godliness, guess what? You need sound doctrine and sound teaching. Turn to your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor, godliness Godliness only comes comes by way of sound teaching. teaching. And you better thank God for some sound teaching in this house, amen? Amen. Everybody has so many different views when, especially comes when it comes to finances. Blab it, grab it, name it, claim it. I don't know if you were around during that time when the when the when the millennials you know when the millennium came and people were pro, you know, I don't even want to say their names, but individuals out there saying that God's going to wipe your debt clean, and then Dr. Bernard came along and said, "You don't think they have a hard copy of your debt?" <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, we've got to be trained in godliness. So godliness with what? Everybody say contentment. Everybody say contentment. So by definition, contentment is a Greek word and is called archaeo. A-R-K-E-O, archaeo. That's the Greek word that we found here in 1 Timothy. And it means this. It's the idea of sufficiency. That something is enough. Stay with me. Contentment. Let me give you the definition. Contentment, by definition, is this: is being at ease. Contentment is being at ease, meaning an inner sufficiency. So you got that the, kind of the the, the the quote, the paragraph right there. So contentment is what being at ease, meaning an inner sufficiency, being at ease where you are and being thankful for what you have. Contentment is being at ease where you are and being thankful for what you have. But let me make a very clear distinction. There is a fine line between contentment and And complacency. Complacency, by definition, dictionary definition, is self-satisfaction, especially when accompanied by an unawareness of actual dangers and deficiencies. You can look that up. That was a whole lot I just said right there. (laughs) Well, look up the dictionary. Complacency, by definition, is self-satisfaction, when accompanied by an unawareness of actual dangers and deficiencies. So here's the thing about the fine line. Look at me, the fine line between contentment and complacency. Contentment and complacency, number one, they find rest. And both experience, look at me, a type of satisfaction. Uh But, everybody say but. but. But there are two crucial differences. Contentment thanks God for everything. Complacency congratulates self. Contentment thanks God for everything, but complacency congratulates self. Second, complacency rests on its accomplishments. Complacency rests on its accomplishments. But contentment passionately pursues excellence. Fine line between contentment and complacency. Verse 6 says, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing, we cannot take anything out of this world. When it comes to verse 7 and 8, let me just say this, family. Material wealth has value. It helps us sustain life and accomplish good while on earth. But material wealth is temporary. For some reason, you know, my wife loves watching a show called Hoarders. I can't watch it. I just get... I'm like, oh, how did this happen? Hoarders, and then I found this definition of hoarding. Hoarders are people people that are in a constant battle, in a constant battle by an obsessive need to acquire a significant amount of possessions. Let me say that again. Hoarders are people that are are in a constant battle by an obsessive need to acquire a significant amount of possessions even if the items are worthless, hazardous, or unsanitary. Let me read that verse again. For we brought nothing into this world. We cannot take anything out of this world. Family, contentment says this. Stop buying things you don't need to impress people you don't like with money you don't have. Verse 9 says this, kind of dissecting the scripture right here. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Verse 10 says, for the love of money is what? Is a root of all kinds of evil." It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. That word temptation is the idea. You can write this down. So the idea of temptation right here in this scripture is to determine the true nature of something by putting it to the test. Temptation by definition is the idea to determine the true nature of something. By putting it to the test. Family, hear my heart. People with an unchecked desire for greater wealth or more money will find themselves facing one temptation after another temptation after another temptation until they ultimately succumb. Everybody say temptation. Now for those of us who are wealthy in the room have been blessed to have money, and who are blessed to have the financial set, and you're you're amazing, and you're, you're profitable, and you're prospering. I have three lessons I want to share with you. Number one, guard against pride. Guard against pride. Few things are more intolerable than a person who has much wealth and parades it for all of us to see. Turn your neighbor and say, neighbor, guard against, pride. guard against pride. Number two, don't find security in wealth. That's right. Don't find security in wealth. We've all watched the stock market rise and fall yes. and riches can vanish in the blink of an eye. Guard against pride. Don't find security in your wealth. And number three, maintain the right perspective. I think that's for all of us, not just the wealthy in here, that's for all of us, for those who, who, as we manage our money, we guard against pride, we don't find security in our wealth, and we maintain the right perspective. Family, all things are given by God for us to enjoy and for us to, and, and to use to benefit others for his glory. So here's the bottom line. Here's the bottom line in a way that is foundational, and I pray today, life-shaping. Family, the love of money replaces love for God in your heart. And that is disastrous. But not only does it replace, does it replace God, but it also has no power to deliver the satisfaction that your heart seeks. So you have to go back again and again, craving more money, hoping more, spending more, living from short-term buzz to short-term buzz, all the while becoming more addicted than, you, than you're aware of. But there is, is even more than that because love of money, please hear me, pushes love for God out of your heart. It pushes you to this, it pushes you to the center of your life. And no longer are you shaped by God's glory, God's will, God's plan, God's grace, and God's rule. Your life is shaped by the cravings and your needs, your plans, and your self orientated rules. You simply cannot be in the center of your world and be your own highest authority and not be in moral danger to yourself. Man, I know we're not shouting right now, (laughs) I know, but there are moments where, like you, I need to be reminded as far as the responsibilities that I am given and to go back and ponder and think through uh, what God's word says to me because here it is. Contentment keeps us from fads. And the promises, how those fads just promise you to, to fulfill you. But the, thing in, but the thing is, fads cannot deliver on the promises to fulfill you. Wealth cannot deliver the promises to fulfill you. Only God has that space. Only God has that space. Family, did you learn anything today? Yeah. Can I ask you stand up on your feet? Some of you are like, man, that was real quick. <laughs> but God's word is that powerful enough. That's right. to do what it needs to do. That's right. On your own right now, close your eyes, bow your heads, and begin to talk to God about your highlight moment right now. Speak to God about maybe something that stood out to you. Thank you, Lord. Come on, just between you and him, as we were challenged today by his word, as we are challenged today about just being content, what's the discontentment of your heart? Speak to him about it. Can you just begin to worship him right now? Come on, out of the fruit of your lips. Father, we love you. Father, we adore you. Father, we lift our hands. We bow our heads. We we do whatever we have to do to get in a posture of worship to you right now, Lord God. Father, you're piercing our hearts, Lord God, whether it be from fear, Lord God. For some of us in here, our dreams and our accomplishments are being held by, from a fear of man and a fear of failure. But God, when we submit all these things right back to you, God, God, you deal with man and then you deal with those mistakes that we've made in the past, Lord God. But you taught us that mistakes are nothing but a point of reference and not a place of residence. And for some individuals in here, you're living in your mistake, but God is saying it's a point of reference. And no longer do you have to dwell here in this place any longer. Give him your fears. Father, forgive us in our our abuse of money and how we viewed money. And how we've chased after money. But God, you have a different perspective of wealth and finances. Correct the thinking, bring things in alignment.
1: Father, we pray that as we experience fear, that we may not be ruled by it. Father, we thank you for the freedom that you provide. Yes, Father, we thank you that you have given us everything we need. That we don't lack anything. Because you've given us everything to be stewards over that which you have provided. You would be a cruel God to ask us to steward something you had not given us. And So we thank you that you've given us everything we need so that we don't have to continually and perpetually live in the condition of fear. Father, we pray that you would break every chain of fear. We thank you for victory in your name and victory over fear. Father, break the chains of fear so that we can walk forward in faith so that we would be able to accomplish and do the things that you've asked of us help us to start the company to have the conversation to walk away from the relationship to change our mind to adjust our lifestyle. Because at the end of the day, we are playing for an audience of one. It is in you that we live, that we move, and that we have our being. So we live to the pleasure of the King. In Jesus' name. Let's raise our Bibles. Let's raise them high. This Bible is our primary source of faith. This Bible is the rule of our conduct. This Bible creates the lens that we see life through. Now, as we leave this place, but never God's presence, Jesus is Lord, period. We believe it, we proclaim it, and we're seeing it come to pass. God bless you, family, and have a great week.